You are listening to a message that was given at Living Word Chapel, Oracle, Arizona. It is our hope and prayer that God will use this message to speak to you and enrich your life. For more information, visit lwcoracle.org. Last week, Pastor James kicked off our series, We Are Family, with a message about how we can live in love towards our families. And today we're going to continue that series by exploring uh, what God has to say about peace in our families. The Hebrew word for peace is shalom. And it means more than just an absence of conflict or an absence of war. It refers to an inward sense of completeness or wholeness. The Jewish people use it as a greeting as well as a farewell. And so it's fitting whenever you say hello to somebody, say good morning, or or when you uh, say goodbye, that you use the word shalom. And what you're literally saying is, may you be full of well-being, and may health and prosperity Be upon you. Isn't that cool? May you be full of well being and may health and prosperity be upon you. I remember one time when uh, the kids were small, we were hiking up Pima Canyon and uh, we were newbies. And so it's a pretty steep climb and we were sucking eggs trying to get up this thing. And uh, this old man, I mean, he was, uh, you know, tan and wrinkled, and he come running up behind us. And as he zoomed past us, he, shalom, shalom, and he just left us standing there eating his dust. And uh, Andy was about seven. She turned to Ruth, and uh, she said, did we just get shalomed? <laughs> so shalom, may you be filled with well-being, and may health and peace be upon you. Uh, Today we're going to be looking at how we can have peace with God and how we can experience that peace in our family. And so before I get started, uh, why don't we pray together? Heavenly Father, thank you for our time that we have here this morning. Uh, Pray that you would just open up your word to us and, and let us learn from you. Let our minds be alert May our ears be open to hear your word, and may our hearts be ready to receive from you. It's in the precious name of Jesus that we pray, amen. So the series is called, We Are Family, and uh, families are a blessing from God. You know, it's within the family dynamic that we have, that our children, they're, they're raised to to uh, live in loving relationships as they continue on. And that's God's intention from the beginning, you know. It's in that family dynamic that we have uh, that connection. We have safety. We have uh, just the the ability to grow together in, in love. You know, you got the baby sharks, and you got the mama sharks, and you got the daddy sharks, and the grandma sharks, and we're all just living together. And it's wonderful. But 
When sin entered into the world, all of that changed. And God's divine uh, intention that we be a loving family and that we be that place of safety, it became corrupted. And we see this with the first children born to Adam and Eve. Cain became jealous of his brother and resented him because God accepted Abel's sacrifice and didn't accept his own. And so as the story progresses, we see brother hating brother, even to the point of death, as Cain kills his brother Abel. Because of sin, the family unit has become dysfunctional. We're affected by conflict, conflict of opinions, beliefs, behaviors, and this dysfunction, it breaks that peace that we have in our families. Now, you guys probably have never experienced this. You know, sitting around the table and a family fight breaks out on Thanksgiving Day. But I have. Let me tell you about it. Well, this one year I was in my teens when my Uncle Buck and my Aunt Julia came to visit. Now, Uncle Buck and Aunt Julia were my, my grandma's brother and sister. And so they came to visit from Rising Star, Texas. And that right there should give you enough clue about my family. We're from Texas. And so <laughs> anyone that knew my grandma, you know, she was very outgoing. And anyone that knew her would, would tell you, that she was the kindest, sweetest lady that you would ever meet. And we called her Nanny. And Nanny and Uncle Buck, they had these strong personalities. And whenever the two of them got together, man, it was something to see. And so around Thanksgiving dinner, I sat there as a teenager with my eyes open as wide as saucers as they began to argue with each other. And it didn't matter what the conversation, what the subject matter was, they would each pick a side and they would just argue and argue and argue. And uh, what is it about it? siblings? Man, they can push your buttons, can't they? And so they just, it, it started getting heated. And, and I'm convinced that they could have switched sides in the middle of the conversation and continued to argue from the other person's point of view that was that intense and my Aunt Julia, I mean, bless her heart, she was the middle child. And so she was trying to be a peacemaker in the family. And it was, it was almost humorous to watch because it was like watching a referee at a wrestling match. And she's trying to keep peace and everything. And like, Talk about dysfunctional. So I come from a dysfunctional family. Anybody else, you don't have to raise your hand. <laughs> and so... That's not God's intention for how a family should be. He's provided everything that we need to live in peace. First of all, he's reconciled us back to himself through his son, Jesus Christ, restoring us from a life of enmity against God to being his children. And as such, we can now live in his peace. Romans 5.1 says, Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. And so this is good news. God has provided the solution to the human dilemma. In his book, Mere Christianity, C.S. Lewis wrote, God cannot give us 
a happiness and a peace apart from himself because it's not there. There is no such thing. Societies throughout generations have tried to bring about this peace only to fail. For there's no other answer that can bring true and lasting peace to our families and ultimately to our society apart from Christ. Our reconciliation with God is the only solution. And it's through His grace that God has restored us to that place where we have peace with Him. And He's adopted us as His children so that we can enjoy a relationship with Him in His family throughout eternity. Romans 8, verses 15 and 16, Paul writes, You have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you have received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba Father. For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. Isn't that fantastic? Our adoption is not based on our own behavior or our performance. But rather, it's by faith. It's by his grace that we are adopted and we are made his children. Adoption was a common practice in the Greco-Roman world. And an adopted person would become part of the permanent family with all of the same responsibilities and rights as if he were a natural-born son. And some of the most famous adoptions during this period were within the line of the Roman emperors. We see people like Augustus, Tiberius, and Nero, who were adopted into the Roman families and became emperors. Adoption is part, is that act of leaving one's natural family and entering into the privileges and responsibilities of another. And in the Bible, adoption is one of the the family-related terms that is used to describe the process of salvation and the subsequent benefits. God is a father who graciously adopts those who put their trust in Christ into his spiritual family. And he grants us all the privileges of being an heir. So salvation is more than just forgiveness of sins. It's more than just freedom from condemnation. It's a place, a position of blessing. Believers in Christ and are children of God through this adoption, and we're now members of the same family. And as members of God's family, the Apostle Paul tells us that we should be ruled by peace. He says in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 15, let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. Notice that this verse is in the imperative tense. It's a direct instruction. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. That word let implies that it's a personal choice. You are the only one who can let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. We already have peace with God, but now we are commanded to let the peace that rule, uh, peace of God, let it rule in our hearts. You know, although we are members of one body, points of conflict, 
discord, strife, they arise when we don't let the peace of God rule in our hearts. Many times these arise from our own selfishness or the selfishness of others. But remember that in every contention, at least one party is at fault. Don't let it be you. So this morning I want to share three uns. Three uns that prevent us from having peace in the family. The first un that we'll look at is unmet expectations. Maybe you've experienced this same disappointment that I have. You know, you see something advertised, and it looks really good. And then once you get it, it it's not even close to what it was re- resembled to be. Maybe you've been wanting to try out this recipe because you saw the picture in the cookbook and it looks so good. And then once you try it, your results are less than satisfying. Perhaps when you got married, you thought you'd be off traveling the world to romantic getaways. But instead of looking out the window of an airplane, you find yourself watching the clothes spin through the window of your clothes dryer. James raises the question, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire, but you do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. That's dysfunction. That's selfishness. And in every relationship, those involved have these certain expectations that we've built up that we feel that the other person should fulfill. And regardless whether these expectations are reasonable or not, we find that when they go unmet, that it can bring a source of discord and strife in our family. Unmet expectations can lead to those junk feelings of frustration, the loss of value, And sometimes our response is to try to exercise control. But that just adds to our frustration because we don't have the ability, nor do we have the right to control someone else. We can only control ourselves. And God intends for us to resolve these experiences by understanding that we are no longer the product of our past. But now we are a new creation in Christ Jesus a product of his work on the cross. And we can choose to love those around us, even if their poor behavior is out of our control. Our ability to promote peace in a relationship is not dependent on how other people behave, but rather is dependent on who we are as children of God. And it all has to do with who we are in Christ. We are God's masterpiece. We are created for good works. We're not created for pointless, unfruitful, and selfish responses. In his letter to the Romans, the Apostle Paul addresses this issue, and he says, Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. The New International Version puts it this way, If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. So as far as it depends on us, that means that we have a choice 
that we can live in peace with other people, even though their behaviors you know, are out of our control, even though there's expectations that go unmet. It's our choice to live in peace. And we can, we can control the inner world of our thoughts and our emotions. We already have peace with God, but now we must appropriate this peace. And we must do it daily. It's a choice that we have to make. As we experience the true internal peace that comes from God, then we can become the peacemakers in our homes and in our relationships. But again, it's that choice that only you can make is to let the peace of Christ dwell within your heart. The peace we have with God as children enables us to have peace with others, even if our expectations go unmet. So our action step is to submit to the Holy Spirit. Allow him to produce the fruit of self-control within you. You can't control others, but with the fruit of self-control that comes from God, you can control your thoughts, you can control your emotions. Remember, in every contention, at least one party is at fault, so don't let it be you. The second one that prevents us from having peace in the family is the un of unforgiveness. When we have unmet expectations, when there's hurtful behaviors, it can lead us to holding this unforgiveness in our hearts towards those who have let us down. When we experience these situations, our emotions, they become damaged. And we tend to hold on to these infractions against us uh, and we hold those infractions against the people that have hurt us. You know, we think that if we forgive them, that somehow they're going to get away with their wrongdoing. And so, that, so we hold this infraction, we hold our resentment, we, we withdraw our love from them, and we have this unforgiveness in our heart, thinking that somehow by doing this, we're going to make them pay for their wrongdoing, for that offense that has hurt us. But what we don't realize is that the resentment is more destructive to ourselves than it is to the one who has offended. The writer of the book of Hebrews warns us about this. He says, Work at living in peace with everyone, and work at living a holy life. For those who are not Holy will not see the Lord. Look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. You know, we expect the grace of God for ourselves. But we don't want to extend that same grace to other people. Watch out, it says. Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. And so the warning is for us to watch out for that root of bitterness that tries to, to grow up inside of us, you know, and it festers. And the longer that we hold that unforgiveness, it becomes bitterness. Have you ever been around a bitter person? They don't have any joy. They certainly don't have any peace. And they're not even pleasant to be around. 
And so the analogy is that of a, a root system of a plant. A tree is only as good as its root system. I remember this one year I, I planted two oak trees in our backyard. One tree today is probably about 35 feet tall. It's huge, massive, great shade. The other one was actually growing and was taller than the, the first one. But one day when the wind was blowing, and you know we have the winds of life that blow against our lives, the winds were blowing, and so I, I tried to tie the tree up, and I, I came out about three feet from the trunk, and, and I drove this metal stake in the ground, and, and yeah, it, it kept it upright, but the tree died almost immediately. It was like within just a few months that it started losing its leaves, and it just dried up. So finally, I went out, and I dug it up. You know, why did this tree die? And I found my metal stake right through the main root of this tree. And so that's what bitterness does to us. You know, our roots, they provide the nourishment of water and, and the nutrients that a plant needs. They provide that stability. But if a root of bitterness is established in our heart, we find that our growth will be stunted. And the bitterness will infect and bleed out to all those around us. And everything that we do, we'll lose our joy. We'll lose our peace. And we won't even be pleasant to be around. But choosing to forgive brings healing to those damaged emotions. Like I said, it's a choice. We must do it daily. It allows us to become more like our forgiving Father who has forgiven us of all of our offenses. God even goes further, further to say that he will remember our sins no more. God's not saying that he will forget our sins. No, God's omniscient. What he's telling us is that he will never use our past lives, those sinful lives, against us. And in his sight, it's just as if we had never sinned. Imagine this, we are sinless in God's sight. I think that's so profound, just to think of the grace and the mercy that has been extended to us. God forgives, not because we beg for it, not because we are worthy of it, not because of anything we could or would do. He forgives us because forgiveness is consistent with his character. It's who he is. And he expects, and it's his will, that we would extend that same forgiveness to others, to those that have hurt us, because it's consistent with who we are as children of God. It's consistent with our character as those who are in Christ Jesus. So our action step is, this is there is power in seeking reconciliation but it's a choice. We choose to forgive. And, and we don't just forgive from our, our head. We actually forgive from our heart. We let it touch our emotions. We let it touch our feelings. And out of that, we extend the forgiveness and the love of Christ. It's only then as we choose to forgive that God can begin to heal our brokenness and our hurts. Well, the third un that prevents us from having peace in the family is the un of intentional living. And I think that a pretty good example of this life that's lived without intention is 
a metallic ball that's in a pinball machine. Some of you may be too young to remember a pinball machine, but they used to have them like down in the, what's now the Circle K, it was the U Totem, and I used, I probably spent all of my allowance down there a quarter at a time playing these pinball machines. And they had all these bells and blinking lights, and they would just, I mean, as a teenager, man, it just attracted us. You know, and, and like the kids now with their Game Boys, they can't get enough of it. That's how I was as a teenager. That was our, that was our uh, video machine, the pinball machines. And so the objective of this game was to keep this metallic ball moving across the playing field for as long as possible. And you would use these flippers and, and bumpers to manipulate the ball towards targets. The targets were all assigned various points. And so the object was to hit as many targets and score as high a points as you could get without allowing that ball to drop down into the drain that was at the bottom of the playing field. Now, an unintentional life is represented by this metallic ball that reacts to every situation, every circumstance that comes along. And although the objective is to hit the targets... We often lose focus. We get redirected by the flippers and bumpers in life. And some of those flippers are in your own family. (laughs) Living our lives like this without intention is reflective living, responding to whatever is thrown at us. And just like my Uncle Buck and Nanny, when my Uncle Buck would would hurl uh, those things and push my grandma's buttons she would react. And this kind of living brings strife. It brings discord. It brings contention within the family. Now, on the other hand, intentional living is living with bringing the objective, that target, to the forefront of our minds. And we keep it there consistently. As Christians, our objective, first of all, is to know God. Secondly, It's to make him known to everyone else around us. That's our purpose. That's our our calling, is to make God known. So instead of being reactive, we can be promotive, proactive, and intentional. I'm making up words here. So we can can be uh, intentional and proactive as we uh, promote peace. And as we do this, we're communicating communicating the truth of Jesus because Jesus is the Prince of Peace. Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, knowing the conflict that he would be facing, he said to his disciples, I am leaving you with a gift. The gift of peace of mind and heart. And the peace that I give you, the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. The world doesn't have this kind of peace. It's a peace that comes directly from the Lord. And we can have it regardless of the circumstances, regardless of how people treat us and their behavior. Whatever comes in life, we can have this internal peace. Because the Prince of Peace is the one that speaks into the storms of our life and says, peace, be still. He's the one that has the power to bring peace. Now, in the NIV, 
we see that this is also in the imperative tense. It's a direct instruction. It says, do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not let them be afraid. And the only way we can do that is because we have the peace of God dwelling within us. You know, instead of allowing circumstances to dictate how we're going to feel or act, we need to decide beforehand that our reaction, our responses, is going to be dictated by our identity of who we are in Christ. That's a life that is intentional. A life lived intentionally can be represented through this painting that I saw. It's by uh, Jack Dawson, and it's called Peace in the Midst of the Storm. Now, at first glance, this painting doesn't look anything at all like a peaceful setting. We see black clouds and lightning that fill the sky. We see water rushing down over jagged rocky, rocky cliffs. And there's raging water below. And so you might ask, well, how could this be peaceful? But take a closer look. Just beneath the waterfalls, you will notice a bird with her nest of babies tucked underneath in the edge of a rock. We read in Isaiah, you will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. Trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord, the Lord himself, is the rock eternal. God is that eternal rock that we can go to when the storms of life, when the circumstances rush over us like a waterfall. We can find that safety, that security, that place of connection, a place of growth in Christ. And that's also what God intends for the family, that it would be that place where we can belong, where we can just be at peace, connect, grow, and have that safety. And that doesn't come by any other reason except that we allow the peace of Christ to dwell in our hearts. Colossians 3.1 gives us the perfect reason for living intentionally. It says, Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Since. Think about that word. Since we have been raised with Christ, since we are part of God's family, since we are citizens of God's kingdom, we can set our hearts on that higher purpose, that higher plan that God has for our lives. And that's to know God and to make him known. Living intentionally means that we keep our focus on Jesus who has given us his peace so that we can become peacemakers, encouraging peace in our home and in our church. So here's our action step. Daily live your life with intention. Keep the objective of peace consistently at the forefront of your mind and allow the peace of God to dwell in you. And so I'll say it again, as I've said it before, in every contention, at least one person is at fault. 
don't let it be you. As far as it depends on you, live at peace with those around you. Peace with God is only possible through the death and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. And God desires that we have a relationship with Him. He wants to adopt us into His family so that we would live in that relationship throughout eternity. He loves us so much that He sent His Son, His only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, into this world, born of a virgin. He lived a sinless life. And he willingly surrendered his life on the cross so that you and I could be forgiven of our sins, so that we could live eternally in his family, in relationship with him. So this morning, if you've never placed your trust in Christ and experienced the peace of God in your life, I'd like to give you that opportunity. Let's just bow our heads. So if you've never placed your trust in Christ and you've never experienced his peace, pray this prayer with me. God, I'm a sinner who needs your forgiveness. I'm tired of trying to live my life without you. I need you in my life and I open my heart to Jesus today. I confess that Jesus Christ died for all my sins on the cross at Calvary and that God raised him from the dead on the third day just like the Bible said he would. Thank you for loving me and forgiving me. And I choose to follow Jesus from this day forward in the fellowship of his church. Now, with every eye still closed, if you prayed that prayer with me, would you just raise a hand and lower it down? I see the hands. Thank you. Anyone else? Let me just pray this prayer over you. Heavenly Father, right now, we thank you for Jesus Christ, who is the Prince of Peace, who fills us with peace because we are now, our sinful lives, that past life of sin that we had is under the blood of Jesus, and we have been cleansed, and now you look at us and you see your Son, Jesus Christ, and our sinful life has been washed white as snow. It's as if we had never sinned, and we thank you for that. We thank you for bringing us into your family, for adopting us as your children and giving us the position of being an heir with Christ. We thank you for that. And Father, for those that have raised their hands, I just pray right now that you would just fill them, that your Holy Spirit dwell within them. Father, that you would just uh, minister to their needs right now. Jesus name. Amen. Well, the Bible This has been a message from Living Word Chapel. We hope that you've been blessed by it. Make sure you check out lwcoracle.org for more information.